one of the nice things about Rotary is the very high level of empowerment. You can come into Rotary with a passion for something that you'd like to see changed. You can be a change agent, but within Rotary is the ability to get a collaborative effort going with your other Rotarians and with other clubs to do something that you couldn't do on your own. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Today I'll be speaking with Ron Webb, Governor-elect for the 2020-2021 year for Rotary District 7980, which comprises the southern half of Connecticut, from the New York border to the Rhode Island border. Rotary is a service organization of over 1.2 million people with clubs all around the world and does everything from small projects like building local playgrounds and supporting food banks to large projects like eradicating polio from the entire world. We'll talk a bit about what Rotary has done, and how Rotary is positioning for growth to do more important work in the 21st century. Let's get to know Ron Webb. So I'm here with Ron Webb, the District Governor-Elect of District 7980 of Rotary. Hi, Ron. How are you doing? Hi. Good morning, Mike. I'm fine. Thank you. Great. So so tell the folks a little bit about yourself, Ron. Okay. Well, as you said, I am the District Governor-Elect for Rotary District 7980, which really is the southern half of Connecticut. and um, as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm not originally from this area, but I came to Connecticut in 1976 with plans to stay for two years. And of course the plans changed. Uh, my wife and I raised our family here and this has definitely become home for us. But uh, my journey with Rotary really began in 1992. I have had really two careers. I spent 30 years in manufacturing and education retiring in 2000 and then starting a second career in 2001, where I was a financial advisor for 17 years. So during that first journey, my wife and I came to Connecticut and I was an industrial engineer with Timex Corporation, the watch company, and their corporate office was in Middlebury, Connecticut. And we ended up in the town of Watertown, which is very close to their old corporate headquarters. But as I said, we came here for two years, plans changed, and uh, this has become our home, and we've raised our children here. We have three grown daughters and eight grandchildren, so we're very happy about that. And I joined Rotary in 1992 at a time when I took over a small manufacturing company with an option to buy. The owner of the company was a Rotarian and invited me to join Rotary based on the premise, it would be a good way to meet the, the leaders in the community. So my first Rotary Club was actually in Thomaston, Connecticut. A uh, couple of years there, I chose not to execute the buy option and my Rotary journey continued with me becoming a member of the Simsbury Rotary Club in the northern part of the state. From there, my journey took me to New Britain. I was a member of Rotary there as well. And then my second career started in 2001 when I became a financial advisor in Southbury, Connecticut. And I became a member of the Woodbury, Southbury, Middlebury Rotary Club, which is better known as Triberry Rotary. And I've been there for the uh, past 19 years. So uh, I'm approaching 30 years in Rotary. The decision to become the Rotary governor occurred about three years ago. And so I began a journey and I'm following Jack Solomon, whose year will end on June 30th and my year officially begins on July 1st. Uh, 
lot of people ask many things about Rotary and why did you join and so forth. And everybody has their own personal reason for doing things like that. Uh, my journey in Rotary actually began many years before. In my youth, I was uh, the victim of a near-death experience and it was life-changing for me. And when I came back from the, the near-death experience, I had the question, what's my purpose in life? And that's really where my search began. And when I was introduced to Rotary, I found there was a very high alignment there with my value structure. And I joined in 92, like most people, with the idea of helping to build my business and so forth. But you learn it becomes much more after you've been engaged for a while. So uh, I could talk for hours on Rotary, but mm -hmm. if you have specific questions you'd like to answer or so forth, we'd be more than happy well, sure. to answer. Yeah, well, so so for, for those who are not familiar with Rotary, I don't know how anyone could not be familiar with Rotary, but, uh, but I guess there's people who are not familiar with it. How would you describe um, Rotary to the to the unfamiliar. Okay. Well, basically we divide our life into segments and part of the segments in our life is our ability to give back to our communities. And that's internalized in a lot of different ways. So there's so many wonderful service organizations in the world, it's hard to make a choice. But when I was introduced to Rotary and I became a member of the Thomaston Club, I was working with about 40 to 50 Rotarians who focused on giving back to their communities and giving back around the world. And I learned the attendance of Rotary firsthand there as I moved on my journey. But Rotary today is one of the largest service organizations in the world. There's over 1.2 million members worldwide, represented by over 33,000 clubs in over 200 countries. When you join Rotary, you actually become a member of your local Rotary Club, and your club is a member of Rotary International. But as a participant within Rotary, you're welcome at any one of those 33,000 clubs around the world. So I've had the good fortune to travel and visit many clubs in northern Connecticut as well as the southern part of the state, and I've had a chance to visit clubs in other states. And you're always welcome as a guest. And it's always fun to find out what they're doing as well. Mm -hmm. So Rotary is a very highly decentralized organization. They're based in Evanston, Illinois. They came into existence in 1905 when a gentleman by the name of Paul Harris started a group that would be analogous today to something like a BNI. He was basically getting a small group of people together to help learn in the greater Chicago areas way that they could develop relationships and build their business. But out of that came a service organization that has grown immensely over the years. In 2017, the Rotary Foundation came into existence, and it's one of the most efficient foundations in the world. So Rotarians take great pride in their ability to give back to the communities and give back on a global basis. And it's structured in a way that we're probably one of the most efficient organizations in the world. Each year, the Rotary clubs are asked to contribute to the Rotary Foundation. Those monies are used at the corporate office as investments for a period of three years. And half at the end of three years, half of those funds come back to the district to be divided up, used in what we call district designated grants and global grants. The other half stays in the World Fund and Evanston is used for global grants around the world. Uh, the big tenant with Rotary really came in the 1980s when polio was uh, very pre prevalent. 
Many people today, especially younger people, have never been exposed to polio. But when I was growing up, I knew people firsthand that spent their lives in iron lungs, could not breathe on their own, and the eradication of polio became very critical. So in the late 1980s, a decision was made that Rotary would work to eradicate polio worldwide. At that time, there was a 1,000 new cases a day. So imagine 350,000 cases of polio annually. But we've been very diligent in our efforts over the years, 30 plus years. We've got it almost licked. At this point, there's only two countries that has new cases of polio, that's Pakistan and Afghanistan. And so far this year, there's been less than 100 cases. So from 350,000 down to less than 100, we're definitely in the last stages of eliminating polio worldwide. The premise is, yep. The thing is that it's not completely eradicated, and now we're exposed to a pandemic here in the U.S. with COVID-19. So we're starting to develop firsthand experience of these environments that usually have only been relegated to developing countries and so forth. So we're experiencing this firsthand, and we're coming to grips with a new norm. And so as we go through that, as Rotarians, we're finding new ways to reinvent ourselves and service organizations, just like businesses, go through product life cycles. So we are working diligently to reinvent Rotary in a good fashion. And this is really a very critical period as we go through this pandemic, which should last for an extended period of time. Uh, new ways of doing things, and we're focusing very heavily on lifelong learning for our Rotarians. The one thing that I would like to mention is that People ask, how can I become a Rotarian? And basically it's by invitation. Somebody in your community sees leadership skills in you and they invite you to become a Rotarian. You have lots of choices and so you need to make a conscientious decision as what's right for you. But I say, please take it seriously if you're invited to become a Rotarian. Like any organization, you get out of it what you put into it. And you're going to find that their premise of service above self is a way of creating a life value structure. We have the four-way test that basically I tried to run my professional career by that. And basically it says of all the things we think, say, and do, first, is it the truth? Second, is it fair to all concerned? Third is, will it build goodwill and better friendships? And fourth is it will be beneficial to all concerned. If in making a decision, we pause before we speak and we ask ourselves those four questions, we make better decisions. My life has been turned around by being a Rotarian. So I really am a champion for the cause. Our district is made up of 57 clubs in the four Southern districts or four Southern counties of Connecticut. So from the New York border across Rhode Island, we have 57 clubs with over 2000 Rotarians that are all engaged in service above self giving back to the community and giving back to the world. And, and do I recall that we have a net increase in membership over the last year or a couple of years? The, the net increase is relatively small. The thing is that Rotary in 1905 was 100% U.S. membership. Mm-hmm. Today, North America represents about 20% of the membership in the world, 80% is in developing countries, Asia, and so forth. So definitely the slope of the curve changing, but we're maintaining a, 
a positive increase of very few Rotarians when you really look at the big picture, but we're staying above the 1.2 million mark. Mm -hmm. There's two ways of bringing Rotarians in that we want to share in our community. Rotary exists at the adult level through Rotary Clubs, and there's a model there that we've become accustomed to in the past, but we are working on ways to enhance that and create new models going forward. But we also have Rotary at the college level called Rotaract, and in other parts of the world, most of the Rotaract clubs are really what we call community-based, young professionals in the community, people between the ages of 18 and 30 that come together and say, I would like to give back to my community, but like to create my own environment for how we do that. And we embrace that immensely. Uh, we have 12 areas in our district. Each has an assistant governor. My goal for next year is to put the challenge out that each of our 12 areas comes up with a community-based Rotaract club. And the question is, how do you get a core group of young people together that have a common cause? And the reality is they already exist. They exist within your chambers of commerce as young leader groups. I'm sure that uh, in the Groton area, just like it is in Waterbury, these areas, these groups work together for a common cause in the community. So they got the right stuff. It's just that they haven't been able to really engage with Rotary to the point where they see there's a very definitive collaborative effort of a win-win by working together. And I always say, why reinvent the wheel if you have others in the community that have those skill sets that complement yours? Engage and work together, share the credit, share the excitement, and share in the deliverables to the community. So yeah. a lot of really good things are going on. And uh, I'll touch on a couple others in a moment, but I think you have a question, so please. Yeah, it also seems like um, you know at the last uh, uh, training I attended, there was talk about the passport clubs and satellite clubs and kind of virtual, you know, non-meeting clubs. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, I don't know if it really fits or makes sense. And now of course we're all meeting on zoom and we've actually had members of, of our club in Groton when we were talking about when should we meet in person again? Um, we had members of our club say, how about never? Why don't we just keep doing this? This is awesome. Our meetings are more efficient. I don't have to drive anywhere. I save money on lunch. Um, so, you know, could you speak a bit to kind of how, how being forced to innovate is um, is helping us innovate with the you know new ideas and new meeting types. Oh, absolutely. Yes, the idea of a passport club is that you meet online with your members of your club and you are engaged anywhere that there's a need. If there's a need in the Groton area for a fundraiser and you need extra hands to help out with it, these people are ready to step in and help. If they're going to do it up in the northwest part of Connecticut, in my area, the same thing. That they are not limited by geographic location. When you have a traditional club within a community, they kind of are, that's the radius of their active, then they branch out from there. So we're engaging with our first passport club. It's called the Rotary Club of Southern Connecticut. And uh, it's going to be open to globally to anyone that would like to be a part of this and if it makes sense for them we definitely want you to be a part of the scenario moving forward a satellite club is a little bit different if you have a club in Groton and you'd like to create a new club that's distinctively different but still part of your community you can sponsor them as a satellite club they'll be a, a subset of your club until they're ready and strong enough on their own to break away as a separate club and there's procedures in place to do that. 
But you're right, the e-clubs, which were relatively few and far between, were clubs that met electronically, virtually, and with the pandemic, basically all clubs have moved to that model, and Zoom and other software programs have become a critical part of that transition. So at this point, uh, during my year, my plan is to have one Zoom account for each of our 12 assistant governors that they'll share with their presidents, and they'll have real-time access to Zoom meetings through those accounts. And that can be for a club meeting, can be for a board meeting. Board meetings probably should have been on Zoom a long time ago because it was hard to break <laughs> away at the end of the day and go to a meeting at six or so in the evening with a group of individuals. But you're right, the the premise is that, hey, you can sit down and have your meeting at whatever time makes sense for you. So if your club was used to meeting at lunchtime at a restaurant and now we're doing it remotely, you can do it at seven o'clock in the evening. You can sit with a glass of wine and relax and you can cover all the key activities. And the fact is that when you're in uh, on a Zoom meeting and you can see all the other members on there with you, uh, you can interact in a more personal way than if you were sitting two tables away at a restaurant. So there's some distinct advantages to doing that. So we're very excited about it. And also Rotary International has created an environment called the Learning Center where there's modules for training various Rotarians. And when you come into the club, one of the things is we want some degree of sustainability. If you were the secretary this year and you turn it over to someone else's secretary next year and the year after that, somebody else takes over, because we usually rotate through these different uh, positions on a perpetual basis. How do you make sure that things don't fall through the cracks? So the learning center gives you the salient points of what the job description and the role is and the key success factors. And that's a good way of providing continuity going forward. So my goal during my past year as governor-elect was to put a team together and train that team so in the fall, we started what we call Northeast President-Select Training. Uh, Michael, you were one of the participants representing your club. Yeah. But we had reached out to our 57 President-Select and the assistant governors and said, in preparation for our training assembly, we'd like for you to do some online training through the Learning Center. And we applaud the, the uh, Rotarians that did that. So when we came together, you're in a much better position to ask open-ended questions and ask questions that really needed answers. So it's a very useful tool going forward. Now that we're moving into the last quarter of the year, my goal is to get the club officers trained, the secretaries, the treasurers, the uh, membership chairs, et cetera. And we're using the same approach for that as well. So distance learning, lifelong learning, we as Rotarians made a commitment to you when we brought you in as a leader in the community that we'd help you to grow as an individual. If your goal is to grow as an individual, we have the right environment to do that. So I'm extremely excited that this pivot point is very dramatic in the fact that we're moving in a new direction very quickly. Most of it's being caused uh, because of the pandemic and is forced to accelerate the process. But if we're truly people of action and we're change agents, this is all good and it yep. good will come from it. And, and so is that, is that your focus in your year or, or, uh, or do you have other kind of goals? And, and obviously as, as, as I, you know, as I talked with Jack uh, in the previous interview, you know, uh, mm -hmm. joke, if you want to make God laugh, make plans, um, his, his year did not go exactly as expected, but, um, but based on what you're seeing, um, what are your, what are your kind of targets and goals and, and aspirations for your, 
your year as governor? Okay. Uh, basically, my training involved working with governors-elect from around the world. We met in January in California, San Diego, and we have shared goals for the year. One of the things is that membership is critical, but it's not measured on how many new members you come in, but how well you engage the members that you have today. So we want clubs to be vibrant. We want people to be engaged. So the focus is there. There's also a focus on youth. And so one of the goals for my year, as I said earlier, is 12 road rack clubs that are community-based. that are scattered across the state from Rhode Island to uh, New York State. In the past, we typically would have Rotary Act clubs in communities that had universities. So we have uh, Rotary Act clubs at Yale and Quinnipiac and so forth. But the model is now being expanded to young professionals that have already graduated and want to have continuity going forward. Typically, in a college environment, a Rotary Act experience will usually last for about four years because once you're 10 years over, you move on to something else. But the thing is, we want these young people to continue to be Rotarians after they leave college. And this is where the community-based interact comes in. As far as the fundraising, there's a major reset going on. People would have clam bakes, they would have uh, lobster fest. That was the one from Milford was just canceled and saw that on Facebook. But the reality is the need for the funds to come into the Rotary Clubs and to fund these charitable uh, events doesn't stop. So we have to reinvent ourselves and redefine how we do that going forward. The question is, how do we take those projects that were very successful in the past and do them in a virtual environment? And that's where we're asking our people to look inward at how do you change that? So if you're doing an auction, you can do online auctions. If you're doing multitude of items, the thing is that there's some projects, such as the one that occurred in um, area eight of our district, which is in the uh, Milford area, is that a group of clubs would get together and they'd pack foods, hermetically seal it and ship it to developing countries. Social distancing has prevented that from occurring during the summer. Also, social distancing has prevented us from getting together with our youth through our RILA programs. So, we're having to delay some of those things. It doesn't mean that they're gone forever. It just means that we need to work our way through the pandemic. And as we re-emerge, create an environment where we can do these things in that type of a new norm. Some of them will never look the same, but it doesn't mean that it's a negative. It just points us in a new direction. When one door closes, another door opens. And our theme for next year is Rotary Opens Opportunities. And you'll start to see a Rotary logo of three doors opening. And they're red, blue, and uh, gold. The red on there represents Rotaract because of our close engagement with bringing more youth into Rotary. Another area where we've been deficient in the past is females in Rotary. We would like more women to become a part of Rotary. They started in Rotary in the late 1980s have been very crucial to the success of Rotary over the years. So we need to identify where the gaps are and do some gap closure analysis. Basically, I am a project manager and I really look to find ways that we can take the areas that have been perhaps ignored in the past because we felt they were overwhelming and find ways to start solutions. 
solutions that will be sustainable going forward. We've done an excellent job with global grants over the years, writing grants that were sustainable and our foundation is rated one of the highest rated in the world because of the efficiency. We can carry that model forward into other aspects of Rotary. If we want something to be sustainable, one of the things we wanna do is community assessments. Are we doing the right things for our communities? If the answer is yes, we keep doing it. If the answer is no, then we start making changes. But in our community, there's these other groups that are just waiting for the opportunity to work with us. It's just a matter of us introducing ourselves to them and becoming a part of it. One of the newest initiatives within Rotary is a partnership with Toastmasters, which I won't talk much of that because you know much about it than I do, but uh, there's three new modules on the Learning Center. I just took those and I'm very impressed with what Toastmasters can do to help Rotary going forward. So the, the world's our worship, we can do what we want going forward. We're very empowered. It's a very decentralized organization. There's a value structure that carries to the core all the way through, but we have the ability to make Rotary what's right for us as a community. And, and one last question, because you mentioned uh, youth. And yeah. I think something you hear sometimes from, from youth is, I don't need to join some, some old stodgy organization. I can do things myself. I can volunteer on my own. Um, and what's the benefit for, for a young or even a, you know, a less young person, young at heart mm -hmm. person, um, what's the benefit for them to join an organization like Rotary rather than just volunteering on their own or trying to put together their own projects? One of the nice things about Rotary is the very high level of empowerment. You can come into Rotary with a passion for something that you'd like to see change. You can be a change agent. But within Rotary is the ability to get a collaborative effort going to, with your other Rotarians and with other clubs to do something that you couldn't do on your own. Plus there's the power of the matching grants. As I said earlier, the monies that we donate to the Rotary Foundation three years ago, half of that's coming back and comes into play as matching grants within our community. So if you go out and you earn $2,500 to go towards your favorite cause, would it be nice if that $2,500 became $5,000 because of being a part of a matching grant? Now you reach out to the community looking at individuals that are doing projects and we have that leverage of helping the monies become available. The dollar signs kind of come into play and that's kind of a natural incentive. But the synergy that comes out of working with one another and building on each other's skill sets, that's where it's immeasurable. That's where we really want to go. Find the individuals that have the passion but haven't been introduced to Rotary and bring them in as part of our organization. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I find with, with our club particularly, we had recently, we've had a few members, newer members join. They're very passionate about um, uh, drug, addiction, drug addiction issues and those kinds of things. And that's now become a, a core mission of our club because we had three new members come in who cared about it. Now we all care about it. So yeah, there's, there's definitely an ability for a new member, a young member to come in and, and, uh, and get support for their agenda in that way. Yeah. I think the importance is the power of one. If you look inward, each person out here has the ability to make a difference. You don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know to what degree you're going to do it and you won't be able to measure it until after it's over. But each one of us has the power to make a difference in our community. And I'm inviting people that want to make a difference to come into Rotary and be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, so we're coming to the end of our time, but do you have any final comments you want to want to share with people? 
Uh, well, Michael, I want to wish you a very good year going forward. I've uh, see that you're putting your team together. You got a lot of good things on your plate, and I'm very excited about the people in the Eastern Connecticut. Uh, even though we're separated by a few miles, we're really one organization. Mm -hmm. And those things that we can do together, I'm all for it. I um, think that this is going to be probably one of the most unique years in Rotary history just because <laughs> of the pandemic. And we're going to be a part of that. So we'll be remembered for the change. We were the change agents during the year of pandemic change. So thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your podcast today. Yeah, years from now, I'll be, I'll be at Rotary Conventions being like, I was president in 2020. They'll be like, wow. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so if someone's interested in learning more about Rotary, where can they where can they go online to uh, to find that? Uh, there's so many ways to get information, but if you just go to rotary.org, there's a plethora of information. There's so much information that it's overwhelming, and that's one of the advantages that the Learning Center's offered. It's kind of like having the key to all this information available to you. Uh, but the thing is, reach out to a local Rotary Club. And if you're interested in knowing about where Rotary Clubs meet, that's very easy to find out as well. You can just go in Rotary and put a town in, and there's ways that you can find the closest clubs. But word of mouth is very critical. We want people to know that we're out there. As I said, we have 57 clubs, and we want that to grow. And uh, as far as the Interact Clubs go, which is the high school level, we have about 35 of those spread throughout the state. And we're hoping that those high school students move into college-level Rotary and college-level Rotary moves into community-based uh, Rotaract, and then they become lifetime Rotarians. The best thing you can do is to become a lifetime Rotarian by realizing the importance of it to you as an individual. It's a personal experience and each person experiences in a different fashion, but each of you will have that aha moment. And when that aha moment comes, you know it's the right thing for you. It's true. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ron. It's been <laughs> great having you on the show, and uh, and I appreciate your time. All right. You take care. Thank you again. Bye-bye now. I first joined Rotary myself just a few years ago. At the time, I was working for a local printing company, and I was trying to get a meeting with a local realtor of some note. She suggested I join her for lunch as her guest at this Rotary thing. When she introduced me to the club, she introduced me as a young man who was new to the community but very active, volunteering in multiple events, and as someone who would be an asset to our club. Well, when you get an introduction like that, you can't just walk away. I became a member shortly thereafter, and I never did sell her any printing services. The Groton Rotary Club plans three years out. So I was nominated to be the 2020-2021 president in 2017. During that time, I have learned more about Rotary, culminating in president-elect training, which we were lucky to run just before the quarantine began. Being at a hotel with hundreds of other incoming presidents, many of them younger than me, hearing all the great things Rotary was doing locally and around the world, it brought my understanding and passion for Rotary to a whole new level. I was proud to be able to take that energy back to the club as we all entered the crisis of the COVID-19 quarantine. With the help of other members of the club, I started the Groton Rotary Volunteer Corps, which is a mailing list of people who are interested, ready, and willing to help where needed. 
Local organizations can send us volunteer needs, and we can share those with over 170 local followers. If you run an organization in or around Groton that needs volunteers, I encourage you to reach out at michael at guywhonowsaguy.com. Let me know so I can share your needs with our volunteers. They're ready to help and really are looking for ways to give back. That's why they signed up. If you're interested in volunteering, visit bit.ly slash rotary response to sign up. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash rotary response to sign up for our volunteer list. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced and hosted by Michael Whitehouse. That's me. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music and sound effects are from Benjamin Harvey Design by way of freesound.org and bensound.org. No relation. Special thanks to Pat Helmers of Habanero Media for all the great advice he gave me on relaunching the show. Find me on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash theguywhoknowsaguy. Please share links to the show with friends you think would enjoy it. This is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you're willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com that's jv-connect.com december 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there